We are back, and I guess you can blame the hiatus on me. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsa. What's cracking, man? Doing pretty well, Garrett. Um, it's been a while. It's been a pretty good while. Yeah. Uh, but I believe congratulations are in order for, for those who don't follow uh, you and I on Twitter. Uh, yes, Garrett did pop the question. Yeah, for, it's it literally almost the final step in the domestication project, Ivis. I do find it funny. I was thinking about this when we started the show two years ago and how like my life has gone from when I was like single to now being engaged. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Garrett is all grown up. He's uh, one step. Next thing you know, we'll, we'll have episode uh, two, uh, episode 300 of the, S- of the SBI show will be at his wedding, actually. So oh, my God. That's scary. Congratulations. Congratulations to Garrett in the future, Mrs. Cleverly. And uh, it'll, it'll be here before you know it, man. I, I I know, man. <laughs> this is why we didn't have a show because Garrett Garrett needed a week to pose himself and get and get the nerve up. That's that. not true. That, that's <laughs> not true at all. Absolutely. I've, it's like it's something you really can't practice. I did have a moment though before I engaged where I had the ring in my hand. And I was like, oh my god, this is really happening. Like like I have to do this. It was, you know, it's a certain moments in life that only happen like once or twice, and this is one of those. You know. Nice. No, for sure. It's it's interesting because you. So you did it two days before Valentine's Day. I actually uh, did mine uh, on Valentine's Day. I believe it was. I believe it was Valentine's in '99. That's how. That's how far back we're going. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was good times. It was. Uh, I remember it being really cold. So that's uh, uh, It was on the Hudson oh, at, Frank's, at, at Frank Sinatra Park in uh, at, uh, right on right on uh, on the New York skyline. It was pretty good. Pretty good moment. But uh, were you guys alone? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah you know, we, we had gone to this concert, and then we, uh, yeah, no, and then took it. She didn't, she didn't expect, she didn't know it was coming. So that's always the big key is that you don't want to let on. You don't want to, you, you, you want it to be a, a real surprise. So it sounds like yours, uh, yours was a surprise. Yes, I, uh, I made up a bunch of elaborate lies to make her believe that the room would not come until March. Um, because I got a custom made, so I kept telling her all these lies and oh, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna, gonna happen. Then I mean. I knew it was going to come in in time, so, and so, <laughs> I think that's the way to go. You really can't tell them. Yeah. So, well, that <clears throat> the hard one of the hard parts is over. Now you've bought yourself some time, and and uh, now you can start getting ready for the big day. Well, I think that actually might be in November. <laughs> this year? <laughs> yeah, this year, dude. Wow. <laughs> Man, you are not messing around. No, dude. Don't don't worry. You'll be there, Ivis. You're you'll, you're invited, dude. Hey, that's nine months from now. I think that's you're. Not, I think you're. Coincidence, right? No, stop it. She's not pregnant. <laughs> Do not I'm, stop that. I'm just saying. It's I will say. I, I will say. We did walk out of this restaurant, and then there were these like two like twin. I don't know, like probably three year old little girls that were in this like this like pretty cute cowboy outfits. I was like, oh, those little girls are cute. And she like looked at me. She goes, we are so far from that. It's not even funny. And then about like five minutes later, I proposed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Don't worry, You'll be. You'll probably be my best man at the wedding. Ah, uh, that's your brother, man. You both got to be the best. Yeah, see, I have four brothers. I'm mean, at three. So which one do I choose? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so I, it's safe for me to go with a friend and then just make the other brothers a groomsman. We'll, we'll, well, yeah, we'll work it out. We got time. I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll plan I'll, it. I'll, I'll gladly step up if you need me to, man. I'll I mean, I could have Alexi be my best man. You know, my strange father being up on stage with me. That We could do that. <laughs> he's gonna crash the wedding just have, just have the wedding in la and i'm sure he'll i'm sure he'll show up yeah and then you have that awkward moment where he may look at my mom and go hey i know you uh <laughs> that would be 
a all plot right. of bad movies. Then. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, Evis, enough engagement talk for all the single people in college who are listening to the show are like, oh my God, I'm so far from that. I don't even want to hear about that. I know. You used to be their idol. Now they, they're going to stop listening now. I now know, you, man. You're, what you're happened? You're getting closer to being like me now. Let me tell you something. If you're single, enjoy it for as long as you can. Uh, all right, Evis, time, <laughs> time to go. Into, look at that. I'm like an old guy. And, and, and as everyone has figured out by now, no, his girl does not listen to the show. No, she doesn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I just noticed that when someone put that on Twitter. <laughs> true. Um, all right, Ivis, time to talk about the show. We haven't done the show in, in quite some time. Um, you know, Ivis and I, we both apologize for that, but we're back in business, ready to rock it as we prepare for the MLS season and tons of things to talk about. Ivis, we didn't have a chance to talk about the U.S. win over Panama 2-0. to zero. You could say that Panama was not the same opponent that Chile was, but still, it's a victory for the U.S., a much-needed victory on the international stage. You were there in L.A., and overall, I was, I mean, a good performance from the U.S. men's national team in the 2-0 to vic- uh, victory. Right. Uh, it, they absolutely needed it. Um, it doesn't mean a ton in terms of where the, the state of the team is, <clears throat> but just from ending the camp on a, on, a, on a positive note and also giving some new faces a chance to impress it definitely served its purpose. Uh, they needed that result. I mean, they hadn't won in five months. I mean, think about it. They hadn't won since they beat the Czech Republic. They hadn't won at home uh, since they beat Nigeria. I mean, think about that now. That's that's a long time that's ago. That's a very long so, time. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, so it's obviously great, a great uh, step there for the U.S. Uh, to get that win. And obviously th- th- there, there were several uh, positives to talk about. First off, for me, you get Michael Bradley – Looking like the Michael Bradley of old, he's obviously 100% <clears throat> healthy now. Uh, he, he had some issues last year. He had a foot injury that, that he, he really tried to keep under wraps. Uh, and it's funny because I remember t- uh, asking him back in the fall if he had an injury. And he's like, and he, he just, he totally would not t- uh, let on about an injury. Then he, he goes on and has surgery. Now he's back. He's 100%. And, and he just, cr- he was, he bossed the game. He bossed the game, dominated the midfield, and to top it all off, he scores a goal Olimpico right off the corner, which just had people's jaws dropping. Mm. And I mean, the U.S. needs an inform Michael Bradley to reach their their ultimate potential. And if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you got to be happy with what you saw. I couldn't believe it watching on TV when he scored that. I thought he hit it right away, and then you know Josie kind of looked like he touched it, but just unbelievable goal for uh, for Michael Bradley. And and you're right. I mean, having him and and we talked about his importance. I mean, the World Cup wasn't the best World Cup for him, and the U.S. struggled. You know. In the midfield, without Michael Bradley, uh, some other players. I've, I mean, some did well. Jazzy Zardis, his first start for the national team, dude. He looked like he's been out there doing it a hundred times before. Right, he looked good. And I mean, it's interesting that he, you know, you put him on the right wing. Not really a position he's played much as a pro. Uh, he's he's really been. He started out as a, a left winger uh, and, and and forward as a rookie, and, and was mostly a forward as a uh, as a second year player during his breakout season. But you know, when it comes down to it. You give him space. You give him an opportunity to run at defenders. Mm-hmm. He doesn't matter where you put him. You can put him on the left. You can put him on the right. You can put him up top. And uh, the thing with with Zardis is the poise yeah. that he's shown. And and you know the thing is he's not a kid, right? I mean he's not eighteen, nineteen. He played four years of college soccer. He's got some maturity. He's he, he's married. He has a daughter. Uh, he, he's and he's playing on the MLS Cup Championship team. Uh, playing with guys like Robbie Keenland and Donovan, so uh, you know it, the the bigger stage of the national team isn't going to overwhelm him. And I think it did help him to be playing at home at StubHub Center, a place he knows very well, practically his home his home stadium. So uh, you know he felt comfortable and he looked comfortable. And uh, you know not not to start the hype train too much, but I think 
it, it was interesting listening to some of the veteran players talk about him. And and there's always that sense of, well, we don't we don't want to overdo it. We don't want to put expectations on people. But man, this guy looked good, and, and that was that that was kind of the the sense you got. Like even Michael Bradley, Michael Bradley's always kind of a you know he he tries to keep things in perspective, and and even he said he's like, look, you know. You know, let, let, let's that, let's slow it down. Let's not put too much on him. But he's he looks like a guy we have to have here. We yeah. need to have this team. So even you know, so he's got the Michael Bradley seal of approval. Clint Dempsey, same thing. And when it comes down to it, there's just not a ton of, of really dynamic uh, uh, attacking options on the flanks or that you can put on the flanks. And he's not. No, he's not a pure winger. He's not going to get great service in uh, your traditional crossers of the ball. Uh, but the guy can move. The guy's got wheels. He's physical. He can interchange with the with, with Josie Altor or with the forward or Clint Dempsey. So I mean, I like him, and I think you know what? He's a guy. If he keeps this up, he could absolutely force his way not just onto the team, but into a starting role. Well, just just the combination on the goal for Clint Dempsey. I mean, you, you saw the, the how good. I mean, and I know this goes out saying because because look, if you, if you watch Major League Soccer and you watch LA Galaxy, you know how good Zardis is. I mean, he's one of the you know he, he's one of the key you know members of of the Galaxy and what they do. But just that, that that pass that he had, Dempsey being able to create the turnover for him, I, you know, I was thinking this over the weekend. I mean, when you look at young players, Ivis, in Major League Soccer, who are, who are making that kind of next step to the international stage, and just kind of when you look at their club scene, I mean, Zardes has a good situation going. And you mentioned that playing with Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan, Omar Gonzalez, Juninho, uh, you know, AJ De La Garza. I mean, he's playing with quality veterans, being able to learn from these guys. And now you have Steven Gerrard, Gerrard coming. Uh, to the Galaxy. I mean, Zardes has been in an excellent situation in LA Galaxy, being able to learn from so many quality players over the last two years. Well, we'll see now what happens next, because uh, I think he's he's played his way into the full squad when, when Klinsman calls in the, the full-strength team in March for the, the friendlies against Denmark and Switzerland, and that's going to be the next step for him. And, and he's already played with what is essentially the the starting attacking unit. Uh, when you talk about Dempsey, Bradley, Altidor, um, now, when you go to Europe, you can go get Alejandro Bedoya, uh, potentially Fabian Johnson. So, I mean, th- there'll be some other pieces there, but he's going to be familiar with most of the key guys that he mm-hmm. needs to be familiar with. So, from that standpoint, I can absolutely see him uh, starting. I did a, a I did a projected starting lineup for Goal.com, kind of a state of the national team. What is the U.S. team's best eleven right now? And I put together a four-two-three-one. I put Bedoya on the left. I put and I put Zardes on the right. And look, no offense to any of the other. Guys in the pool, a guy like Graham Zusi, who you know, I, I know he's he's, he's a, some people love him, some people aren't big fans of him, but he's a guy who who should still kind of be in the conversation. But for me, Zardis has some dynamic qualities, and I can absolutely see him playing his way into a starting role for the Gold Cup team. Oh, plus Zardis has also the ability to finish in the final third. No offense to Graham Zusi or let's say Alejandro Bedoya. I mean, they're not the best in the. Uh... The final third right. for the U.S. men's national right. team. But, uh, look, Bedoya, for me, Bedoya is going to start just because I think w- what Bedoya gives you as a two-way player. I think he's a smart player. He positions himself well. I think he, you got to put uh, for me. You got to put Bedoya on the field. He's also playing at the highest level of any of, of any attacking field player that there is right now. Because I mean, that's he plays, true. Oh my gosh, thinking about that, that's right. He plays in the French league, yeah. and, and you know you can argue it's a top five league in Europe, and, and right now the only players playing in, in top five leagues starting regularly are him and Jeff Cameron, and even Cameron isn't starting every single game. So right right there, you know, I, I think Bedoya, Bedoya, I, th- I see him starting. Um, and look, he's not a natural left winger, but the left wingers, they're, they're not a ton of them. And, and, and that brings us toward the next guy we're going to talk about, Miguel Ibarra, mm-hmm. who, you know, got his first start. And, and it, I would say it's interesting. There were definitely some really – some people gave him high marks for that game. 
And I feel like people are, score, are grading him on a scale a bit. It's like you have low expectations, so he kind of exceeds those low expectations, and you give him a really high grade. But for me, I, I you know, I think Ibarra in the Panama game, he 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 really did kind of the minimum. You know, he he's got wheels, no question about it. He hustles, he puts in the defensive work. So from that standpoint, sure, he, he did the job in that from that standpoint. But there's not, he doesn't. He didn't. He wasn't able to do anything beyond the minimum, beyond the basic, beyond the simple passes. And you can argue, look, a guy in his first start keeping it simple like that is is easier said than done. Um, so I mean, I gave him a five point five uh, when I did my grades, which isn't terrible. But I just, for me, he looked he looked limited. He looked limited. He looked, he looked like a guy who, when uh, when it came down to making a play that was more than just a simple back pass. Uh, he couldn't do it. You know, there wasn't, you know, there, there were opportunities to cross the ball. He didn't cross well. He had some turnovers. Uh, so he he had he, he is what he is. And, and, and the thing is, there's just not a lot of good left wingers, uh, true left sided players in the pool. So Klinsman sees Ibarra and he sees him. He's got serious wheels. Uh, he hustles and he's, you know, he's willing to listen and, and, and develop. So you, you can see why Klinsman uh, has, has has kind of taken him on as a project. But, you know, I don't I, I, I would disagree with anyone who came away from that Panama game uh, feeling like he showed that he can be a true option as a starter on the full team. I, I personally I don't see it. I, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. I thought he looked Good at times, and other times you just kind of disappeared into the match. You know, I think a product of it is Ivis is, you know, when you play it, you know, when you're, and, and I'm not knocking on NASL, but for him, you know, playing in a live game at the international stage is a much higher level than the training sessions that you have. And I would, you know, it's for him, it's, he doesn't get many games at, at this high of intensity level. You know, I'd like to see him maybe, you know, be able to make that move to Major League Soccer and maybe go overseas, you know, to get some more games in there to get these under his legs. So, you know, he, he can have you know more you know more call-ups for the U.S. national team, right? I mean, I, I think for me, the, there there were moments there where you saw him struggle with the speed of play, not in terms of of physical speed, but speed of thought. Where you know he gets into a situation where he has to react quickly so he can make a, a to make he can make a plus play, a positive play, uh, whether it's uh, finding an open man in, in an advanced position, uh, combining reading the next pass like he there yeah. were just moments where you could see he was limited where he was he was he was reacting uh, a, a bit late right and so from that and, and look that's his first start so i will say that you know what maybe uh if he gets more time if he gets some more looks that he can get settled in and get more comfortable um yeah there's definitely something to be said for the fact that yes he plays in nasl uh not that the nasl is, is some absurdly low level it's 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 a decent level um, but MLS is MLS is a better league, and, and I know people will argue that. But MLS is a better league. It's just when it comes down to it, uh, it that people always ask, "What's the difference?" For, like for me, what NASL MLS? If you take the like, I, I, I and I know MLS. Some MLS people would, uh, disagree. If you take the top four guys off of MLS teams, top four guys on every MLS on team, every team on every team. Then you, for me, the then you get to level playing fields. Then the rest of the players are, are it's pretty close. But every MLS team has their four, their four or five high end guys who are just a different level than than almost anybody in, in ASL, and that's the gap. So if you're a guy like Miguel Ibarra, who who was the best player in NASL last year. Um, you're just not facing off against that as nearly as many high end uh, talents in NASL on a week-to-week basis as you would in MLS. In MLS, you go into this year, every single team 
has their three or four or five or a couple more uh, high-end guys. High-end, relatively speaking, okay? Because I know there's always the, the fans of the European game who will crap on MLS any chance they get. But in terms of the league itself at MLS, every team has their four or five guys, and that's what raises the level uh, between NASL and MLS. And the thing is, he not, he's not coming to MLS. And the reason is, uh, Minnesota, you know, Minnesota, they're very smart, right? They signed him to an ex- they signed him to a new deal. He's getting paid significant. He he's one of the highest paid players in the league, and as he should be, right? I mean, he's the MVP. He was the MVP. He was uh, the best player last year. Um, so they have him on a new contract. They're paying him well, and there's no need. And Minnesota's not going to give him away. They're not going to give him away for a cheap price. If it, they're only going to deal him or tra- uh, sell him for a significant amount of money. I mean, I had I had a source uh, someone tell me. That they heard uh, they want a million dollars. I don't know if that's true, but even if it's half that, like no MLS team is going to spend half a million dollars on a Miguel Ibarra. No, none. So it's not going to happen. I don't even think MLS would let it happen because there's there is kind of that precedent uh, in 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 the past. Uh, MLS doesn't want to set a precedent where they're paying big money for NHL players. They just don't want to do it. So he's not coming to MLS. Could he go to Europe? I don't see that. Could he go to Mexico? Is a Mexican team going to pay? A significant amount of money for Miguel Ibarra. I don't see that either. I mean, I spoke to, I spoke to some people who who have pretty good ties to the Mexican league recently, and, and and they said the same thing. If he was available on a free, absolutely, we'll take a look at him. We'll sign him to a contract. People don't really like Mexican teams have money to burn, right? So they'll 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 sign a a prospect to a contract and feel him out, and if it doesn't work out, then they get rid of him. Uh, but they're not paying real money to buy a guy like Miguel Ibarra. So I think that's highly unlikely. I think for, for right now, Miguel Ibarra is going to stay in the ASL, continue to dominate, and hopefully for his sake, he continues to take advantage of his national team looks un- so he can force his way into a conversation where MLS teams pay a, pay a legitimate price. And two other players, Ivis, who I thought had some good appearances for the U.S. national team were, uh, were Matt Hedges and Perry Kitchen, limited in the minutes that they had, but I thought they looked solid when they went out there in the second half. Oh, they did. I mean, Matt Hedges playing right back, uh, which is obviously his top position. But, you know, he settled in and looked comfortable. And for a first cap, he was very active. And he actually made more defensive plays in his 18 minutes uh, than DeAndre Edlin made in his 72 minutes. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and Perry Kitchen, you know, he, he did a real simple job. He, he, he knocked it around. Uh, you know, he passed, around, uh, passed it around pretty well. For me, I, I would say it was a little disappointing to not see Lee win get more of an opportunity I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's a case of is he one of the guys who who was having fitness issues? Is it just a case of Klinsman not rating him, uh, or is it a case of you know what? At the end of the day, Clint Dempsey plays his preferred position, so it's tough to get him on the field, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so you know, I I just thought it was interesting because you know here you have Miguel Ibarra, you know he's hustling, he's on the wing, he's getting up and down, he's occupying space, he's providing defensive support, but not giving you much else like not not giving you much kind of magic so to speak lee win comes on and he's on for like 10 seconds and his first touch is like a thing of beauty and then right away it's like oh man and obviously there's more to the game than that there's more to the game than the aesthetic there's there's obviously the you know the hard work that you put in but i don't know man i would like to have seen lee win get more of an opportunity he obviously got 45 minutes against chile um but you know for me i thought he was going to start at least one of these games we're talking about a guy who was clearly one of the best if not the best midfielder in MLS last year, arguably the best player in MLS last year, I would argue. I thought he should have been the MVP. I know everyone loves Robbie Keane, and Robbie Keane was was amazing. And if you count the playoffs, then you can argue. Uh, but from a regular season standpoint, Lee Wynn was as important to his team as anybody, point blank. 
Um, but you know what? Klinsman didn't put him in. Uh, and I don't think that bodes well for Lee Wynn going forward. I, I just don't think we're going to see Lee Wynn uh, take on a significant role in this team, which is a little surprising. Um, one player who actually did have a good game was Jermaine Jones. Uh, I thought he looked solid at center back for the team, looked much more comfortable in the uh, with the four players on, on the back line. Um, however, though, I was days after the game, Jermaine Jones underwent successful sports uh, hernia surgery. He's going to be out four to six weeks. He put a picture on Instagram saying, I'm done. The machine is back. It's like the goofiest picture ever. Um, but... Uh, I mean, look, good to see Jermaine Jones having successful surgery. He's probably going to miss a couple games with the Revolution. Uh, but, you know, it makes you wonder, man. I mean, how long was he playing injured uh, with the national team? <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I don't know if it was that long, a long-standing an injury. Um, I think it, it, the sense I get is that it, it happened in this past month. Um, look, he's an older player, and, and it's better to have that happen now than obviously later in the year when you have, you know, Gold Cup and you have all kinds of other things going on. Um, but for me, I mean, talking about his performance, I thought he did really well. I thought Panama definitely asked some questions of the U.S. defense, especially early on. Um, and, he, and they were up to the challenge. And you, look, Jermaine Jones, I know, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea as a center back. And I know he was getting crushed by people, by those very people, after the Chile game when he made his share of mistakes. Um, and look, part of that was obviously the three-five-two and him adapting to that and not feeling completely comfortable there. But I'll tell you what, for me, he is still... A very, very, very good option as a center back in the four in the in the four man defense, and I thought he showed that again. And I know you know there's other there's other options. There's Omar Gonzalez. There's Jeff Cameron. Uh, there are other guys there, but for me, Jermaine Jones, what, uh, he's you have to put him on the field. If he's healthy, he is still a guy who gives you an edge and gives you a certain level uh, of play that no one else gives you. And you need to find a way to put him on the field. Um, and, and, and if, if Klinsman is completely committed to, to, to putting him in the back instead of in the midfield, uh, he looks pretty good there. So I, I, for me, I think the Jones Beasler tandem, keep that going for now. Um, and then, you know, we'll see if John Brooks comes in March and, and makes a real poses a real threat, uh, to Beasler for that left center back spot. But I'll tell you what, Jermaine Jones, for me, I am on the bandwagon on, in terms of him playing center back. I think it's his position for now. Uh, well, actually, leading up to the Panama game, there was a lot of criticism, Ivis, for Jurgen Klinsmann uh, and fitness of the Americans. And a lot of this actually came after um, the Chile loss, um, where you know Klinsmann was shifting some of the blame on, on the players, criticizing them for the lack of fitness. And, and yes, I mean, Jurgen's camps are tough and this and that. And it's, it's almost turned into almost uh, a he said, she said type thing where where Jurgen's trying to put as much, you know, trying to move as much of that fitness away from him as possible. I mean, what's going on with this? Does, does Jurgen actually have a complaint here? Are the players not coming in totally fit? I mean, what, what's going on with this? Or is it at this point everything Jurgen says under the microscope? Well, you know, I, this is this is what I would say, and and I mean, I know he he was definitely not happy with the fitness levels of some of his players um, as they came into camp. And and when you look at the schedule that he put together, <clears throat> he had them go play a Chile team that was in the middle of their season. So obviously their fitness was at a good level. Um, and and he, I, I'm sure Klinsman looked at that match as a, as a good test, a good opportunity for him to try out this 3-5-2. Uh, and, but then the team just, you know, there were guys who just weren't fit coming into camp. Now, does he have a gripe? I, obviously, you know, he does. He feels he does. He feels that he did. Um, but where, where there seems to be definitely some issues, some conflict, is that when it comes down to it, if you're, it, it, it's an MLS camp, you know, mostly MLS camp, 
um, these players, their season begins in March, right? So if your season begins in March um, and, and, and for years you have prepared yourself for being at your top condition in March, um, then you're, that's just how you're used to it going. And, and you're not used to coming into January at your top condition. You're not used to, you know, the middle of January being 100%. So, uh, from, you know, I, I talked to Matt Beasler about this, and, and Beasler definitely, you know, he didn't mince any words on that. Like, it, it, he, you know, in, in his mind, you know, he, he prepares looking at that start to the MLS season date, not looking at, at the camp. So, obviously, he didn't come, you know, maybe he didn't come in at, at the level – that Klinsman would have liked and, and maybe some of the other MLS guys like a Clint Dempsey uh, or, or Jermaine Jones didn't come in at, at, at quite the level that Klinsman would have liked. Does Klinsman have a point? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, look. He does have a point. He has a point from the standpoint that some guys didn't come in in the yes. shape that he wanted. But the whole idea about about the, the length of the MLS season, oh, yeah, look, uh, here's my question, right? You know, you've been the coach for four years. You know when the MLS season ends. You know that these players have these long off seasons. Why did you not set something up for them? Why? Why? I mean, I know. Look, they're professionals. They should be able to to, to keep to to, to uh, train and and be at a certain level and not let themselves uh, go. And from that standpoint, yes, I, I get that. But this is not your first year on the job. This is your fourth January camp. This is not a new thing. So it, 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 if he was a first year coach, I would totally get like, all right, yeah, look. Obviously, he's not happy with the way things are. He's going to let himself be heard. People are going to understand where, where things need to be. Four years later, if, if things have not changed or if he's acting like this is a new development, then what's going on here? Whose fault is it exactly then? It's, I'm not saying it's not the player's fault, but it's not just the player's fault. Because if you're Klinsman and this has been going on for a couple of years now, um, why, you know, why have you not made adjustments for that? Why have you not – you know, you, Klinsman is the one who chose not to call some of these guys in in the fall. Uh, who who then came in and came in the winter? So I, I think there's a little bit of blame to go around, and that's and that was the point I made in in a, in a recent piece for Gold.com is one of the issues I think that one of the reasons there was this backlash to, about Klinsman's comments is the fact that it always seems like he is passing the buck. It always seems like he is making excuses, um, blaming other people for issues that the team has, for the team losing, for the team struggling. It's always everyone else's fault but his. And and I'm not saying the guy's got to sit there and say it's all my fault. But when you go when you the guy's been the coach for what three and a half years now, and he is I mean he is blaming people for things a million times in this three and a half years, and never once have I can I remember him saying, you know what I made a mistake. I called in the wrong guy. I made the wrong substitution. I put I chose the wrong lineup. I played the wrong formation. I didn't prepare these guys. It's just never happened, and maybe you know what? Look, that's just his personality. It's his, his way. It's whether it's whether or not it's the German way, whatever it is, <laughs> it gets whatever. No, but whatever it is, it's just gotten a little tiresome. And I, I gotta say, man, I get us. I feel like some players are just are, are are at a point now where it's like they're gonna start tuning it out. You know, at a certain point, you, you know, you're gonna start losing the players if all you do is criticize them left and right for things they do. For, for for things that, that you know you, you you know you've been four you've been on four camps now four January camps and this is still a thing I mean I agree like it, it, that look if you have a guy like I mean as an example someone who didn't make the playoffs uh, uh, if you're a player who didn't make the playoffs like a, like hypothetically let's say Michael Bradley didn't have his surgery 
and, and he, you know, he was 100% healthy at the end of the MLS season, right? That uh, he that means he would have had what two months off, right? So yeah, it, I mean that is a tough thing, uh, you know. So then it's up to, to to a player to 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 keep himself in a condition to be ready for that January camp. And and from that standpoint, I I, I get why Klinsman was upset, but. This has been four years now. Like, what what ha- what have you not figured out, or what has not been put in place to avoid this? I mean, I remember Klinsman's first, in Klinsman's first year in charge, his first January camp in charge. I don't remember this being an issue. Guys were fit. The team looked fit. The team went down to Panama uh, and won a game down there in, in pretty hot conditions, and and uh, and they went on and I think they I think they were undefeated in their first whatever however handful games to start that year, twenty twelve. Um, so if that wasn't an issue then, how is it four years later and now it's an issue? So, I mean, I, I'm sure, look, there's something, there, there's, a, there's truth in, in what Klinsman said, but for a variety of reasons, it just seemed a little odd for him to come, come out and come out and say this now. Well, I mean, maybe that wasn't, issue. I mean, maybe, you know, in 2012, I was, you know, Jurgen looks at it as, okay, we'll let this slide. But, you know, now three years later in 2015, I mean, maybe he's kind of sitting there wondering why these guys aren't stepping up when they know the routine. Maybe that's where he's trying to come from. Well, there's a lot of new faces, right? So who, so who's the issue? I mean, I, I you know, to, I had someone say, "What's that?" Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick to answer your question: In 2012, the U.S. started off four zero. Right. So look at that. I mean, they were, including so, a, including a one zero to win over Italy. Right. So I mean, fitness was not an issue then. It knows the the start of that season, the start of that year. Um. Well, so, but so, do, so what's changed? Do, so what's changed? Here's what's changed: They played that first game in Arizona. They just need to play every you know January game in Arizona. That, that, that that's what the problem there is. There you go. Yeah, the fitness. The fit. You get your fitness uh, down pat in Arizona. Yeah, but that was also the game where Ricardo Clark scored all in like I think it was like the tenth minute of stoppage time too. <laughs> You're racking my brain right now with that. You're going way back. You're going way back. But look, look, look. Flinsman, he's the coach, right? He he can. If he's not happy, he can express that. No question, right? I mean, if he doesn't feel like, if he feels like, look, my players should be. Uh, the, my players, they need to be 100% fit in January, <laughs> not March. Like, I, I, look, I, I get that, but, I mean, at the same time, I can understand from a player standpoint, if you're an MLS player and you've been around the league for a while, you know your season starts in March. Um, what, what are you getting prepared for? And, and are, you, are you setting yourself up for burnout over the course of a year? And, again, that goes back to Klinsman's point that, look, these guys should be able to maintain a high level of fitness for 11 months out of the year, like the rest of the world does. That that's that's been his mantra for for a while now. And I mean, I'm sure there's something to that. And and look, the guy he should know, right? I mean, he 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 he's been in this position for a while, uh, not just with the U.S. but before that with Germany. So he should know these things. But back to my whole point, it's like uh, it, it, the guy's too quick to pass the blame. And and one and, and one example I gave on this, and and, and then we can move on is. They they've been in camp for a while before they played Chile, right? If he wasn't happy with the fitness, why didn't he say something before the game? Why did he wait till they lost to to uh, you know to all of a sudden come out and, and, and make and, and have an issue? And, and, and it, that's why it really sounded like passing the blame. And the, the, what came to mind when when he did it was it was like one of those memes when 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 someone says something like when it's like a picture and they'll be like. Uh, so imagine the meme would be like you're a picture of Klinsman, and on the top it says, uh, uh, "Looks like it lo- looks like nobody bothered to work out during the winter, but that's none of my business." <laughs> like, like that, that, that's what that's what came to mind. It's like you're like Klinsman just dropped that as soon as they lose. Like if he had done that, uh, you know, 
three days before the game. The team had been in camp a week. He could have figured out pretty quickly that these guys were not in shape. And I know so, so I, I, I mentioned this to someone when I was in L.A. and, and, what, I was, and what, the, what the response was, well, do you really want to say that before a game? And, and, and I'm like, yeah, why not? You're the coach. You're not happy. Let the players know you're not happy. And you know what? Maybe they go into that game trying to prove to you that they're in shape. So, I mean, for me, that's why it was a little disingenuous. It's like you wait till you lose, and all of a sudden it's an issue. It's an issue. That, so I don't know. That's why, for me, it came off a little like excuse-making. Now, I know some people like Alexi uh, and, and others that, that, that kind of see it and say, well, uh, fitness has never been an issue for Americans before. That's always been a strength of the American player. And so why is it now an issue, and is that Klinsman's fault? And that's a whole other, you know, that's definitely that's a whole a, That's another can of worms. It's another can of worms. I mean, you could definitely look at, you know, go back to the World Cup, and there's all the talk about, you know, were they overtrained? Was it Klinsman's fault there were all these injuries? And, of course, he said no. He was asked this flat out at the, at the World Cup. And he was like, no, it wasn't that. It was just bad luck. And it's like, yeah, okay, see, but then there you go. It's back to the whole, you know. Everyone else, it's everyone else's fault. It's never his fault. If if something happens on this watch, it's fate. It's bad luck. It's like you know. So you know, after a while, it's like, listen, man, start manning up, accepting blame for when things go bad, and and then you know what? When things go right, then you can then it'll look a little less like you're a little op- you're way too opportunistic. So we'll see what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all. It's all talk anyway, right? That's yeah, all it, is. it is. It is. But that's just Jurgen, though. That's his style. It's been like this for four years. Yeah, you know, I, I don't and know. This man. is just Jurgen, and how yeah, it's just this is just Jurgen's personality. That's what it right. is. Well, and you know what? Here's my, and I will, I will say this. Look, F- final uh, thing, Ivis. Then we'll move I, on. I, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, you know, there's definitely some mixed uh, opinions on how how he's done as a manager, as as a coach, right? And I like, I'm not in the camp that uh, that, that thinks he's done badly. I thought I think he's done okay. I think he's done okay. Um, there, there's obviously some some issues there with the with the player pool and the talent level and and and, and I think people, uh, especially some I think U.S. fans and some U.S. fans, uh, um, you know, overestimate the, the the talent level and 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 the expectations might be a little high. Um, but I think he's done an okay job. And and but you know what? Mm-hmm. This year is going to tell us a lot. This yep. year with 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 the tough tough schedule they have with the Gold Cup. Uh, and look, I know it's not the World Cup, and I know some people say, "Well, no, we measure him on the World Cup, not the Gold Cup." That's all well and good, but look, if there's not signs of progress um, this year, if we get to uh, January of 2016, and this and this year was not successful, they don't win the Gold Cup, they don't look good against any of the tough opponents that they're playing. Um, then you do ask questions. You ask yourself, what what, what direction well, is is Klinsman taking them? The, well, the, the U.S. has to win the Gold Cup. That is without question. You need to get into the Confederations Cup. You know, leading into that World Cup, the U.S. has to win the Gold Cup. This well, year. even if they lose the Gold Cup, they they're still then then they would play in the playoff for the Gold Cup. So, I mean, that's not the that's not the end all be all. And look, it's not a lot that they win. Mexico is a good team. Costa Rica is a good team. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's not a gimme. But they need to look good. They need to go there. They should. They, they, I would say they need to win. But if, that, if the scenario that I came up with, look, if they, if they stumble through these friendlies, the March friendlies in Europe, the, March, the, 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 friendly, the European, uh, the ones in June, June, yeah, June, the Netherlands and Germany, if they look bad through that, if they completely look like crap all the way through that, and then they go to the Gold Cup, and they lose in the semis to coast, you know Costa Rica or Mexico or, or, or lose in the finals and, 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 and just get outplayed by Mexico or Costa Rica. Um, then you're sitting there saying, like, where, what, 
where are we going? And from and I think then uh, it'll be some interesting questions because you know what it would it, it would be very interesting if four years after Bob I know Bradley, right I know four years after Bob Bradley got the boot Bob Bradley gets the boot after an unsuccessful Gold Cup. If the same thing happens to Clin- if the same thing happened to Klinsman, I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, but you know what? Who knows, man? I mean, I, the you know Sunil Galati loves him, so maybe he's got. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it won't matter what happens there. Well, look, we we got months to talk about this, Ivis, and it's always a fascinating topic when you're in Klinsman's involved. However, though, it is time for us to move on. We do need to keep it though still on. the the U.S. national team, but drop it down a few age groups. We're looking at the U-20s who got a cushy, got a very, very pleasant draw for their upcoming FIFA U-20 World Cup. U.S. has been drawn into Group A with Ukraine, Myanmar, which is Burma, which is next to Thailand. Go look on a map if you're not sure where that is. And then the final team, Ivis, is New Zealand. Very, Very easy draw for the U.S. of the World Cup coming up. Uh, they could not have asked for a much better draw than that. I mean, it, you know, New Zealand, when you think about the teams that they could have played, that's definitely uh, an easier one. And, look, playing the, playing the host is never is never a cakewalk. Obviously, they're going to, you know, be, be inspired, motivated by their fans. And with New Zealand, they're going to be together as a group for, for quite some time. So there's going to be that familiarity advantage that they'll have. Um, but, look, no two ways about it. Uh, the U.S., considering what happened two years ago when they ended up in a group, which group of death does not do it justice. I mean, the group that they were in two years ago, uh, you could argue had three of the best of the four best teams in the entire tournament. That's absurd. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, it's night and day. And right now, man, this U.S. team, there is zero excuse for them not to advance uh not to i mean they you know not to say that they'll definitely finish uh at number one in that group but there's no excuse for them not to advance and and it and it's there for them it's it's there for the taking for them to win the group if they win the group then all of a sudden you're looking at a cushier knockout round opening game and then anything you know anything's possible from there so from that standpoint look it, it lines up great um one thing i would say about this though the u20s uh it, it's interesting that there seems to be some talk that maybe Jurgen Klinsmann is going to call some of the U20s into the national team setup and that maybe they won't go to the World Cup. I refuse to believe that until yeah. I hear Klinsmann say that himself. I, I mean, that's crazy. If you have, if, I mean, obviously the national team is the most important thing, but there, there is no one on the U20s that the national team has to have. Rubio Rubin looked good last year against Colombia. He's a, definitely a promising player, but you don't need him if you're the national team. The U20s, they need Rubio Ruby. The U20s, they need Gideon Zellalem if and when he becomes eligible and if he does play on the uh, – he's able to play for the U.S. They need the – U- this U20 team needs everybody. So uh, from that standpoint, I think it would be thoroughly disappointing if Klinsman chooses to call any of these guys up to the senior team just to be – just for the experience. Because, look, for me – a, a, a World Cup, a youth World Cup, is invaluable experience, mm-hmm. and and it's not just about the experience that that star player gets, uh, or even an Emerson Hyman. Um, you know, a, a, any of those. It's not just about their experience, but it's about the experience of the group. And if you want you want that group to get a pop, to have a positive experience, so you need to you need to let you need to have the strongest team possible go to New Zealand. And, and I gotta believe Klinsman sees that. 
Uh, well, the uh, U20 World Cup kicks off on May 30th and runs till about June 20th. And as I've said, it will be in New Zealand. All right, I was moving over to Major League Soccer. Negotiations between the CBA and the league are starting to heat up. They have brought in mediators. Can you believe this, Ivis? Not that surprising. Other leagues have done this before. But I'm concerned. I've seen this play out, like in House of Cards. When you bring these people in, then they protest. It just seems like it's going to go on forever, Ivis. Ah, this is playing out like five years ago. I and know. I know. I know you were like on a beach somewhere. Like five years know. ago. What, what, how old was I? I was. You were you were completely oblivious. What year was that? It was oh. 2010. Twenty ten. It's twenty fifteen. Oh, that's right. We are in twenty fifteen. Twenty ten. No, at tw- at twenty ten, I was working a sales job in California, cold calling sixty five doors a day. That was whoever's in sales. I got respect for you. I couldn't do it, but well, enough well, of that. Uh, right. No, but um, <laughs> yeah. So 2010, uh, it was the same situation. Uh, the labor battle went on. They called in the mediator. Eventually, things got, got sorted out. Um, I think it's a positive step. I think it's a great step, especially with all the talk and all the conjecture, uh, all the you know all the strike talk coming from the players' side, all the we're not budging on free agency talk from Don Garber. So – it was looking pretty ugly, but you know what? I, th- I, I, for me, maybe it's wishful thinking. I think it'll get resolved. I think there's going to be some middle ground. I don't think the players are going to get everything they want, and I don't care. I, I just don't see it. I mean, I, as much as it's great that they're unified, it's great that they're committed. It's great that they that there is more kind of camaraderie there, and there's more uh, strength in the union. As great as all that is, it doesn't change the fact that. Uh, the owners aren't going to just give away the whole, give give away the store. They're not giving in to all the demands. Um, hopefully, there's a middle ground. I really hope that there is because the, it would be absolutely devastating for the league um, to to have any kind of player stoppage. I mean, it'd be bad. They, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they okay, if they lose <laughs> one game, if there's one, if that first if that Friday night game uh, gets canceled, if you, if you sacrifice one game, fine. But any more than that, it's going to be a nightmare. Orlando is is lining up sixty, trying to get sixty five thousand or have fifty five thousand, however many fans to the Citrus Bowl for their opener against NYCFC. And if that doesn't happen, if that gets it, it, it canceled, I mean that is a bl- huge blow. So here's hoping it it, it, it gets sorted out. But I, for me, the mediator, it's a big positive step. Uh, another league news, Major League Soccer has eliminated Las Vegas out of the running to become an expansion city, even though Vegas is still, um, they, they have the, the votes coming up, the city vote, to see if they want to get, if they want to approve that $200 million stadium. Uh, look, for me, Ivis, this is no surprise. I think there's other worthy cities, other worthy teams that should go to Major League Soccer. Vegas, I thought was a pipe dream from the beginning. I didn't get it. So it's, sorry, if you're in Vegas, I'm sorry. I, I'm in Phoenix. I understand what you're going through. Uh, look, Vegas is eliminated. And that's that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was always a nice idea. It was always a, a bit of a pipe dream. It was always that, that you know, you, you have that fantasy of, man, I go to Vegas, I party it up, I hit the that table. Was, eh, that was your fantasy. Come on, Ivis, don't put I, that on other I, people. Listen, I was never the guy saying it should happen. I mean, I think I was always on record <laughs> saying it's a nice idea. I don't think it's going to happen. So, like, eh, you know what? No one should be surprised by this. It was always It was always far-fetched. There are legitimate markets in this country. Yeah. Leg- no offense to anyone in Vegas. No offense to, to uh, you know, any, anyone from there or anyone with ties to Vegas. With you know Hercules Gomez, and, you know any other guys over there. Um, but 
there's there's legit markets out there now. Sacramento, they're 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 running. They're just they're looking like front runners right now. You got Minnesota with the with the great history they have there. Uh, Miami is still in play. San Antonio is a good market. So there's enough good markets. So I don't think anyone's going to shed any tears. Um, Vegas was always pretty low on the list of priorities. Um, also, Tim Cahill, no surprise, has left the New York Red Bulls. He seems to have offers literally coming from every country in the world, Ivis. Oh, listen, man. I'll tell you what. Tim Cahill is a a marketing genius, right? I mean, uh, look, he's a player. You can't argue that. But but like he he you want to talk about a guy who has crafted his image perfectly. I mean, this guy like his he has put he like I, I, I mean not to kill a guy because he's gone, but he's a great player, no doubt about it. But he is definitely a guy who who crafts a certain image for the public. Uh, that you know, is it him 100? Eh, percent I'm not I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think it's interesting the stuff that's come out now about you know there's definitely there's been reports about how you know he wanted a contract extension the red bulls wouldn't give it and all of a sudden his play uh takes a dip all of a sudden he's not the same player that he was uh he just stopped he stopped being interested he didn't he he didn't get what he wanted and he stopped being interested and it showed in his play and he and as much as he tried to make it about other people as much as he tried to make it look like he's the victim and he's you know he's being ostracized because he was getting call-ups and, and taking the call-ups he, he definitely tried to, you know, he's kind of cut from that Klinsman cloth of, of blaming everyone but themselves and really trying to paint that picture uh, that he does everything right and, and others are to blame for when things go don't go his way. Uh, but look, man, credit to him. He goes to the Asian Cup, helps lead Australia to the, to the title, uh, boosts his value when he needed it the most because he, need, he needed a strong Asian Cup to get set himself up for the next step, for, to set himself up for the next contract. What does he do? He's off to China, huge payday to to wrap up his career, and guess what? His his whole uh, persona is intact. His reputation's intact. He's this, he, you know. And, and look, the guy's done it for years. He's played. He, he's played at a great level. He's been a leader. He's 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 been an excellent player. But I just say, see, getting the getting a sense of how he is up close, uh, it always is interesting uh, to find. It's rare to find these these players who. Who are, have so expertly crafted a facade to hide behind, and, and then kind of just kind of Machiavelli their their way through their career. And credit to the man, he's he, he's had a great career. He's made a pile of money. He's going to walk off in the sunset of very rich. And moving over to the Americans abroad, Ivis Julian Green, a little bit of drama with Hamburg reports saying that he's being sent down to the lower team. Then him and the team come out and say, no, that's not the case. He's still with the first team. What's going on with Julian Green? It looks, it, you know what? It just looks like there were uh, outlets in Germany jumped the gun. Um, being that he's a younger player, obviously he's going to, there's going to be opportunities for him to bounce back and forth between a younger team uh, and maybe get some playing time with that younger team. Uh, but it was never a full blown demotion. Uh, obviously the, 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 you know, one of the outlets in Germany reported it as such, and then it blew up from there. We all, it's not, it's not tough to see that, that the move to Hamburg has not panned out. Um, it's been a pretty disastrous, uh, loan move. And, and, you know, the sense you get is that there were promises made that have not been kept. Um, I don't think Green's going to go out there and, and, and bash Hamburg at this point. Not yet anyway. I mean, he's still there. He's still fighting for minutes, and it is interesting that Hamburg is going to play Bayern this weekend. Um, 
So we'll see if he gets on the field to face his. Uh, he'll face score. He'll, he'll score two goals in that game. I don't think he's going to even play. I don't even think he's going to get on the field personally. But um, but you know what? It it is what it is. It, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Josie Altidore loan to Jerez when he uh, you know he was at Villarreal. Uh, he gets loaned to a, a second division team, uh, and there were there was there were promises made about playing. To, you know, they, he he thought he would get a fair chance there. He never got a chance. He never even got on the field uh, for Jerez, uh, and and it was a waste of a half a year. And we've seen some transfers like that or, or loans like that through the years. Obviously, Michael Bradley at Aston Villa that was a disaster. Um, so we've had we've had those right, um, and it's a learning experience. It is what it is. Uh, I, I don't think anyone should take it and say, okay, this means Julian Green is not a good player. He's washed up or, or he's just not the player that, that, that he was hyped to be. I think people would be a little premature to draw those conclusions based on uh, a move that has not been a good fit, a, a move that you know has not worked out in his favor. He's still a young player, uh, but I don't think anyone you know throwing dirt on his career, I think it's a little premature. Also, I'm, I meant to say Hamburg, not Hamburg, like a hamburger. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that just spent, it just, I, I it just a, came out. <laughs> look, yeah, I spent a month there, so it's always going to be Hamburg. Yeah. Um, also, Bobby Wood, Ivis, the other guy going through kind of a not, I mean, not similar to Julian Green, but I mean, just when you talk about just the whole kind of transfer situation, um, he hasn't. Uh, look, I'll say it easy. What's going on with Bobby Wood? Are you going to say the name of the club that he joined? <laughs> that would have made my day if you'd have pronounced the name of the club that he joined. Yeah. I mean, not that I know how to pronounce it. Let me see. Erzgebergi and then Owl. Whatever. Owl, I don't think. There's an A-U-E, so I don't know. Look, it's a team in Germany. We'll just. Let's call him E-A. Let's call him E-A. Anyway, it's good that, look, hopefully he gets playing time. That's what it comes down to. The kid needs playing time. And I know U.S. fans, like, hate him now because they saw him and he just was a frustrating player to watch. Look, he's still a young player. He's talented. I, I don't think we've heard the last of him. I think if he gets in a good situation where he starts to play, starts to build up that confidence, uh, I think Bobby Wood could still eventually, down the road, be a national team player. I just don't think he's there now. Also, speaking of transfers, AJ Soros, his transfer to Hellas fell through. Uh, what's on? The, what's the next step for him now, Ivis? You got me. That's good. That that's the big AJ <laughs> AJ Sore. Sorry, I, I'm butchering everyone's name here at the end of the show. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're struggling. I'm, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I am struggling. No, I mean, I, I tell you what, man. Uh, right now, it, it's tough to say what happened there. I mean, uh, you know, I had I had people tell me that the, he had a contract in place. I don't know what fell through on that front with Ellis Verona, and now uh, the last we heard, he was at Staubach with Bob Riley uh, training, and then from there he was going to uh, go on some on some trials in Europe right now, the, the thing, the good, the positive thing for AJ source is he's, he's a free agent and he has a European passport. So Europe is his oyster right now. He can still go seek out opportunities. Uh, clubs that are in need of defensive help can sign him and not have to worry about paying a fee or anything. Um, I don't think he's coming back to MLS. I mean, I think, you know what, think about it. If you're, you're even as, as unfortunate as it is for him to have had the, the Verona deal fall through, he is still in a really good position because he's a free agent, he has a European passport, and he could, in theory, sign after the, the MLS labor deal gets made. And I think it's generally accepted that salaries are going to go up with this new labor deal. So if you're AJ Soares, if you play it out and you can uh, find something to do for uh, six months, you could come back to MLS in the summer. 
and sign for a contract that'll be significantly bigger than the, the one you would have signed if you signed in the winter, this, this, this past winter. So all is not lost in that front. I'm personally hoping if he lands in Europe and, and, and has an opportunity to show what he can do in Europe, because for me, I think he's a very underrated player. I think he was a bit overlooked with the New England Revolution and overlooked a piece of the puzzle in their team getting to the final. But you know, if he comes back to MLS, it, it might still work out. Maybe he'll get a big contract from the Revs in the summer. And Robbie Cristo, who has the most boss haircut ever, is skipping Major League Soccer. Uh, he's moving over to Italy. Ivis, uh, what, what's going on with him? Well, that, it's it's long been rumored uh, for for a while that he was going to go to Serie B, and he he has gone to Serie B. I think it's Spezia is the, the name of the team. Um, so you know that that's a it's a good step there. I mean, obviously, again, in those situations uh, where a player has a passport and he's a free agent. Teams are going to take a chance on a guy. Teams are going to, you know, even though he's not, he's never been a pro, you know, they're going to look at him and say, hey, you know, they're going to they're, they're going to check him out. They're going to have him come in, uh, have him trial. And if they like what they see, it, it, uh, European teams can can make that investment, especially when they're on a free transfer. It's like it doesn't cost them that much at all. So, you know what? Crystal will have his opportunity. He's a guy who passed up MLS. He passed up a chance to be in the MLS draft. He would have been a first round pick. Uh, if he had been in a draft. But now, you know what? He's going to go that European route, and uh, we wish him luck. And hopefully, maybe he'll be one of those, what seems like rarities now, of American players to to, to start their pro careers in Europe and actually succeed. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, look, you, why not give it a chance if you can? If you have a passport, have passport, we'll travel, right? I mean, why, why, not, why not go for it? And before we close out the show, we have an SBI Q&A. As always, everyone, you can send your questions in on Twitter, hashtag AskTheSBI Show. Ivis, first question comes from the MMA guy. Who are your predictions for the next four expansion teams? Uh, I'm going to go with Miami. Oh, well, I'm going to go Sacramento, Miami, Minnesota, San Antonio. Next question comes from Austin Cooper. Do you think ESPN not having the World Cup will hurt the growth of soccer in the, in the U.S. considering its influence? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I disagree there because I mean I think look, Fox is not uh, small potatoes, right? I mean I know they're not ESPN, but they've obviously invested a lot of money in the, in the World Cup, so they have a vested interest now in helping promote soccer overall. So. Obviously, look, Fox is network television at the end of the day, right? I mean, they have, you know, Fox, and then they have Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. Um, so is the quality at the level of ESPN yet in terms of the soccer coverage? Uh, it's not there yet, but you know what? They've put so much money in it now. They, they need to step it up, and they know that. Now they just got another World Cup added to their package, so th- there's even more reason for them to step up their game. Next question comes from Eric Fox. Jurgen Klinsmann. Great manager or greatest manager? In in the middle, in the middle. He, he's okay. He's not terrible. He hasn't shown me greatness yet, uh, but time will tell. He's still, he's still got some time. Next question comes from King Mulder. Would U.S. men's national team regularly selected play or rather play in Cuba Centenario or Olympics as overage if U.S. qualify? Interesting question, King Mulder, because uh, I had this con- very conversation with Clint Dempsey uh, back in the summer at the All Star Game, we had, we, had, we had a long chat, and uh, he he made it clear the the Copa for him Copa America means much more. No offense to the Olympics, but uh, Copa America is the type of competition that a play, like Dempsey has, has has dreamt about. Now that you you might get a different answer from other players, 
the Dempsey's an interesting one because he'd be the, just the type of guy you might think would be an overage player for the Olympics. But if it comes down to either or for him, he's going to the Copa America. Uh, final question comes from Vamos DCU. What's your opinion on DC United's offseason moves and Eddie Johnson's health? Well, I don't have an opinion on EJ's health because we don't know what, what the deal is. We, we don't know what uh, we have yet to hear exact details on his health. Uh, sorry, DC, uh, you know, they, it's been, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I sit here, I'm a little indifferent on their moves. I mean, I think as they'll be a good team next year. I think they'll be, uh, I think they're a notch below New England and Columbus heading into the next year. Um, I think they're in, they're a playoff team, no doubt about it. I don't think they're going to have that drop-off that, that they had a couple years ago when they went from, uh, you know, I think it was third-best record in MLS to completely, do, you know, three-win season. That's not happening. I think they're going to be a good team again this year. Steve Birnbaum, second year. Bill Hamid continuing to grow. They'll be a good team, but ha- have they had a great offseason? I don't know if they have. I don't think they have. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the SBI Q&A, and that wraps up today's show. Yes, sir. It's the uh, engagement edition. Yeah. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Ivis. There'll be an open bar, and there'll be cosmos for everyone at my wedding. Well, I guess if I'm the best man, then the bachelor party's got to. Uh, oh God, where, where, where are we gonna go? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'll start planning that once. Once I get official word that I'm the best man, bachelor party proceedings will. Be, I think you'll be in good hands. Can I just <laughs> like you up there as my best man? People are gonna be like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like, who's this dude from Jersey? <laughs> Well, it's either me or you hire Kevin Hart to be your fake best man. One or the other. So. Kevin Hart would be good. That's what people are going to think. They're going to think I'm your fake best man that you hired. Did, did, no you, see, did ever... you see that movie, by the way? Of course I saw it. Was it, was it good? It's hilarious. Okay. It was great. I have to go For check sure. it out. Well, well, so now it's countdown to the Cleverly Wedding. That's when we're going to have updates every episode. Oh, God, no, we're not. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I'm sure I'll lament on how expensive everything is. Uh-uh. <laughs> We'll start on that, buddy. I know, man. I know. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to let you go. Enjoy your Friday, Ivis, and uh, enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll touch base again on Sunday, yeah? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the views. Thank you for the comments. And thank you for all our support. Ivis and I will promise we will not take 10 days off ever again. We'll be back again on Sunday. This is the SBI Show.